0: Hello everyone and welcome to Just a Position the podcast where we explore mental health vulnerability and personal life journeys with creators you know and love. And today's episode features a very close friend that I have known for a really long time. I don't even know how long we've known each other at this point, Um, but someone who I for a long time have spent weekly time with. This is a, I would say you're a new type of creator who I haven't featured on the podcast before. I've never had a legitimate DJ on the podcast, but everyone, please welcome Sabai or Jean to the podcast. Thank you. So much for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me, and hi everyone. <laughs> My first time here. <laughs> Super excited to be here, and exactly like what Hiram just said. I, th- but I think I know how long we've been friends. How long for. have we been I think friends? it's about two years. Has it been? I think it's about now? two years.
0: Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Honestly, it's so weird to be like sitting down talking to you in this format because I'm so used to just being on my computer at home, like just zooming you like every week to give you guys a little bit of an introduction and why we've been friends for a while. So, uh, well, I guess first introduce who you are, what you do, the type of music you make, and then I'll give the backstory as to our friendship.
1: Yeah. So uh, my artist name is Sabai, but my real name is Jean. Um I have been producing uh electronic dance music uh for the past like eight years. Uh I produce a genre called um sad boy music yes. or a future bass. <laughs> <laughs> so basically it's like this EDM type subgenre where um lyrics are very, very important. So, you know, like every song will have like a very strong lyrics so people can listen to and feel all the emotions um so that's basically uh the type of music that i make and i currently live in Vancouver. um and but i grew up in thailand and i've been like on tour uh this year is when i start touring a lot more yes um i recently quit my full-time job to do music full-time i think uh less than a year ago yeah it hasn't been super long it's come it's It's coming up, though. I think it's about, like, nine or ten months ago that I'm able to do music full-time now. And it's been so much fun. um, And I'm really, really happy now. Um, I wasn't happy before, and (laughs) we can talk about that in the episode.
0: (laughs) Yes, I do want to explore that. But yeah, I remember, like, uh, being on Zoom with you, and you were, like, telling me how you were considering, like, quitting your job and, you know, pursuing this full time. And then it's been cool to see like, since you've done that, uh, how much, you know, your music and your career has been able to explode, let alone tour and everything. I mean, for anyone who's brand new, um, I've talked about it on the podcast before. If you guys have watched my episode with Melissa Ong, you know that I am a huge EDM fan. Like it is what I consume constantly every single day. And the specific genre, subgenre of EDM that I love is sad boy music and the only way that i can usually define it because i introduce a lot i've introduced a lot of my friends to sad boy future based type music i'm like it's the perfect music to cry and dance to at the same time it's so emotionally charged and just emotionally overwhelming but you want to like dance to it at the same time and i would consider myself like almost like a missionary of future based music, because the <laughs> amount of people in my life who I've been like, where they're like, oh, I don't like EDM music. And I'm like, hold, pause, wait, let me show you <laughs> some future based music and it'll change your mind. And it's 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 such like a cool sub genre and something like I'm, I'm a huge fan of. And our relationship goes back, I guess, two years now when um, I can't remember. I think I had first messaged you. I I, I think I had first messaged you because uh, if you guys have listened to his music, you have a song called Million Days. And when I first heard that song, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is an incredible song. Like the lyrics and just the emotion in the song was amazing. I asked to use it in my launch series when I was launching Selfless by Hiram. And then after a while, we got into conversation and I was like, you know what? Actually, Savai, I'm interested in learning how to produce music and ever since then you kindly offered to kind of like help tutor me into the basics of music production and learning ableton like a music producing software and then like uh, I- Basically, for like what, a year? We've we met like yeah, once like, a week, well, a sometimes year. twice a week, and you bestowed graciously all your Ableton and music production knowledge onto <laughs> me. And it's just been a matter of me catching up and trying trying to learn all of it. Cause it's crazy how much you know about music production. It's it's amazing. But yeah, that's that's basically the the course of our friendship. Yeah,
1: I I think you nailed it. And then, yeah, you're right. I I think actually before we hop on this podcast, I was scrolling through uh, our Instagram message to look at that first message. (laughs) And yeah, you did. You did write that to me and then say that, you know, you said you listen to Million Days when Mm -hmm. you feel down and kind of help you. But
0: yeah, it like yeah, literally got right. me through like difficult moments. That song, you guys have to listen to that song and make sure you guys stay tuned to the end of the episode because we're going to be talking about a new song that you are creating and a really exciting giveaway that we're doing that we're really excited to tell you about. But if you haven't already, go listen to Million Days because it's it's such a good song. And I think like your music, um, considering like how recently you've started, you know, you um, publishing music and just the the quality of of your material is, is really, really amazing. And that's why, you know, I respect you a lot. And it's been so cool to like have this friendship and be able to see like the ins and outs of kind of like not only the way you produce music, but also just the music industry. And I wanna ask you like a bunch of questions about it cause I'm very interested. And I think a lot of people, you know, especially people who are in the EDM space are really interested in kind of like hearing your personal journey and your perspective. But before we get into those questions, I kind of wanna ask you some rapid fire questions just to like introduce you and also just cause I'm genuinely curious. I don't think I've ever asked you these things before, but first up, what is the first thing that you do in the morning when you wake up?
1: I feel like this is pretty basic stuff, you know. I grab my phone. Yep. <laughs> which is probably the worst thing that you can do, you know. I go through like I go through my message from my girlfriend. Oh, um, I check nice. out the WhatsApp and i'm like okay did she send me a good morning message or did she forget today <laughs> i'm just joking i'm just joking but yeah so you know i checked my phone for about like 5 to 10 minutes and then uh, i would go and then take a shower and then brush my teeth cuz i can't stand myself being you know you know like that That's feeling right. when you wake up and then you're all gross mm-hmm. so i feel like I need to freshen up and then i would uh, oh there's a cat in my room um <laughs> And then, um, I would, uh, work out actually oh, I wow. love working okay. out in the morning. Nice. Yeah. Even if it's just like, you know, like regular, like, you know, give myself 40, 50 times push up and then do some stretches. Good. And then, um, that's, that's kind of more my morning routine.
0: I like it. I honestly, it's refreshing to hear your morning routine because I've asked the same question to multiple podcast guests and they're like, I start off my day with manifestations. I wake up and I meditate for 10 minutes before I get out of bed or I like make myself a cup of tea and I'm like, okay, are any of y'all motherfuckers like normal like me where I'm just like, I wake up and I grab my phone and I check all my messages and then I stumble into the shower. Like, I feel like that's very... (laughs) That's like relatable to me because that's exactly what I do but yeah you have an awesome girlfriend she both of you guys got to come visit Hawaii for a little bit when you were performing here and uh yeah his girlfriend's awesome um super super cool but okay I like I like that morning routine it's definitely relatable second what would you say is your biggest fear mm,
1: sickness oh I think it's like I think I'm I think after I got sick, like mm-hmm. once, like, which, like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about like later on, but yeah. like, it was, it's like a chronic pain that um a- any type of like pain, like a chronic pain, like health issues, you know, mm-hmm. like, I think that is what I'm scared of the most mm-hmm. that I never want to go through that ever again,
0: mm-hmm. which is honestly really valid. And yeah, I do want to ask you about that later in the episode, because you have pretty Pretty powerful story when it comes to that, but yeah, definitely valid. Uh, I didn't even think about that, but yes, health is something that I think we we definitely take for granted on a day-to-day basis, so good question. I'll ask you about that more later, and then lastly, third, what is your go-to coffee order?
1: Oh, I don't know if I'm going to get a lot of hate or love from this, but I love my... Uh, caramel macchiato from starbucks
0: wow okay okay so you like the the two percent coffee content and 98 percent sugar content okay
1: Okay, so to be <laughs> fair though, it, it depends on my mood. Sometimes I go for that. That that's like my go-to if you know I've been working out a lot that week. Mm-hmm. I feel good. I'm like, I can reward myself. But normally on a daily basis, I actually do decaf. Oh. I just do okay. decaf Americano.
0: Okay. Black, nice. no
1: sugar, no coffee at all. Yes, yes. And then and then after one week, all the sugar that I saved from drinking decaf can be in my caramel macchiato. Okay, you know
0: what? I like that strategy. I like it. And honestly, even caramel macchiato is still better than the main answer that I keep getting in episodes when I ask people what's their go-to coffee order. And I swear, most of the people have been like, I don't drink coffee. I just don't like how the caffeine affects me. I'm like, oh my God. Okay, well. (laughs) So caramel macchiato is good. I like that approach because I've always said like the macchiatos, frappuccinos type Starbucks drinks are essentially like milkshake drinks desserts and I cannot imagine having them on a daily basis but you're spacing them out that's good I like it I'm the same with you I do well I definitely don't do decaf like I I prefer as much caffeine as as humanly tolerable but I always go with an Americano like that's my that's my go-to coffee order (laughs) But thank you for sharing the rapid fire questions. I want to like jump into, there's a few things that I'm interested in learning about you because uh, we've been able to like spend, you know, some time chatting when you were here in Hawaii, we got to talk to a lot and you have a crazy, crazy cool story um, aside even from like EDM. But I first want to ask like what, what inspired you to get into music in the first place? Like what started your appreciation and love for EDM music?
1: So I feel like to answer this question, it's going to be a bit long. That's fine. But um, I, I started from, you know, I grew up in Thailand, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then, you know, when I was in Thailand, I couldn't speak English at all. You know, like, and then um, my family ended up wanting to move me to um, Canada because it's like, you know, better education, better everything. And in terms of like, you know, politics, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. less corruption and all of that. So... I came to Canada when I was in grade 10 or 11, like 16 okay. years old. So it was a really, really hard age to transition yeah, to be because, difficult. you know, that that was like high school, right? Mm-hmm. And then also, I wasn't like a weird kid or anything, but it's because I couldn't speak English at all. Mm-hmm. It was really, really difficult for me to make friends. It was almost impossible. Mm-hmm. And I remember during like high school... Um, you know, like during lunch break, everyone would have their own group where like they sit and eat food together mm-hmm. and I'm like alone. And I'm like, I don't want to look like a loser eating lunch by myself. <laughs> so for like two and a half years or almost three years, I would like hide myself in a band room oh. in like the practice room, mm-hmm. just playing uh, playing guitar and piano by myself, eat lunch by myself um, because I didn't want to look like I didn't have friends <laughs> in the hallway.
0: And are, because of yeah. that,
1: that was like, that was like my first intro to like real like man like music is kind of like what I have here, mm-hmm. and then in university, uh, that's when I uh, went to my first rave, Calvin Harris, and then yeah. and then you know did some stuff (laughs) (laughs) for the first time and i was like oh my god this is amazing you know like i want to be the guy who's up there Mm -hmm. and i remember thinking like how cool it is for you know like calvin harris or djs to be up there Mm -hmm. and to be honest like my my reason of getting to music was probably the wrong reason Mm -hmm. you know i think i did it to to prove my friends in high school wrong that I can you know become something Mm -hmm. that you know I can be someone I wanted to prove to my parents that you know like I can also do this you know and then it was like a very like rebel of me to like think that you know I can do music full time Mm -hmm. I just choose like you know like the probably one of the hardest career to become and then just to prove people wrong. Uh, But, like, later on in life, I mean, not in life, later on in my career, as as I I grew up and, you know, I also, like, now I'm not, I don't really care about any of that anymore. Good, good. I think now I feel very, like, fulfilled. And I think I went through a lot of, like, um, imposter syndrome and Mm -hmm. all of that, too. And I now realize that once you've gotten enough, um, like, love for yourself and, like, you kind of, like, realize how much work you put in to get to where you are it's very difficult for anyone to project any negativity on Mm -hmm. you like even if like the biggest artists come to me right now and they're like oh Sabai your music sucks you shouldn't be here Mm -hmm. I know that like that is not true anymore because I know myself that I've done all the the hard work Mm -hmm. and then no one can take that away from me yeah and because of that that's when I feel like so much more like content Mm -hmm. to what I'm doing that like, you know, I forgot what the question you asked me was, but that (laughs) is why I got to music.
0: No, no, that's great. (laughs) And I love the last point that you touched on because I think, I think that's a, a sign of maturity and, and really important to acknowledge because I know there's like a popular phrase out there or like there's multiple iterations of this phrase where it's like, you know, do it to prove your haters wrong or do it because they told you, you can't or like blah, blah, blah. And uh, while I understand, kind of like people pursuing goals and dreams, uh, uh, and using, you know, kind of the the hate, negativity, criticism that they face as motivation to to to, you know, accomplish those. I've always personally felt that like you shouldn't do it for anyone but yourself, like at the forefront of your mind, if you're pursuing music or you're pursuing any goal or dream, you shouldn't be doing it because you're like, Oh, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to show them that they were wrong about me. I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to make them sorry. Like you should be doing it because of your own passion and your interest and your love for it. And, and when you're able to fully realize that, then, you know, I think the greatest sign of maturity is, you know, not really giving a fuck about what anyone says or what anyone thinks and not feeling like you have to weaponize that or use that as motivation, but instead just be like, I'm going to do it because I love it and because this is what yeah, I feel like I'm exactly. meant to do, you know? So I think it's really cool that you have that perspective.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure you're probably... I, I now believe that everyone kind of went through a similar path and then once you... Like, I'm sure even for you, like, you know, like, you could, you probably... Went through like some part where, like, oh, like, am I doing this right? Like, mm-hmm. like, all of that. And eventually you're like, no, like, I'm really happy. This is like kind of like my purpose in life. This mm-hmm. is what I want to do. This is my calling of like why I'm here. And once you found that, it's so like, it's so crazy because it's like now it's like anything that you want to do, you feel like it's the matter of when you're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're just like taking time. You don't really care as much about like how fast you have to go, how, how people are thinking about or saying about it stuff about you anymore.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah. Exactly. No, I completely agree. I love it. I feel like everyone that's really an experience that everyone should go through at some point because it really tests you. It, it puts your kind of goals and dreams and your, well, you're really meaning for life into question and then you're able to really figure out who you are from there. So I think it's something that everyone needs to go through and should go through. And I think it's, it's awesome that you were able to experience that at like a younger age than a a lot of people, because some people don't even get to experience that until later in life. So I, I think that's awesome. I mean, how, how long did it take for you to because you started with like piano and guitar and that's like how you first started out. How long did it take for you to like perfect your music production skills? Because let me just tell you guys for anyone who hasn't produced music, it is like learning three languages in one trying to like navigate the complexities of like music production, especially for future bass, this specific genre it's, you know, there's, there's certain types of music where it's like a guitar is behind and you have a vocalist over the top and it's pretty raw and organic. This is literally the complete opposite where you are like creating sounds from scratch that like no one has heard before and just creating hundreds of layers of different sounds on top of each other. It's, Crazy, like how how long did it take for you to like build up this skill, because it's a lot. Yeah,
1: I mean, I still think I am like way like far from perfect or even know (laughs) what I'm doing. But um, but I've been so I play guitar for about, I think, six years before I start producing music. And then after that I produced music for six years. And then I didn't put any song out at all. Not a single song Mm out. I'm just like, this is not good enough, you know. I only had it in like private for myself to show to like my mom and my dad. Oh yeah. And then during that time I was just so like depressed. I was like, Man, like this is so hard. Like Mm -hmm. I thought this was gonna be easy, you know, and then like my but like I can hear it that my song just doesn't sound close to what is like you know being released on like publicly on like spotify mm-hmm. other like professional songs but yeah so i kept grinding for like another six years and then finally uh it was million days that was actually my first release that came out that was like a, a sign record that mm-hmm. came out on a my favorite record label at the time uh, monster cat yes and then um and then yeah and then it did extremely well you know i was kind of it was crazy that, like, my first song, I had, like, zero followers at the time. And then, like, it <laughs> it blew up. Yeah. <laughs> and then it it gave me, like, so many opportunities, so many more, um, like, because it started paying, like, passive income, too. Mm-hmm. So I can, like, reinvest back into, mm-hmm. like, my new songs. And then I can, like, pay better vocalists uh, or, like, hire, like, other producers to, like, help me, like, work together. And then... You know like it kind of like starts to snowball from
0: mm-hmm. there and that's seriously impressive like that your first song gained so much traction because i know like a lot of people like um even when i've like talked to people about you and they're like wait who is sabai and i'm like do you know the song million days they're like oh my gosh yeah i love that song and i'm like yeah that's that's him uh it's like that song has been able to get so much traction and so much attention which is crazy that it's your first song i i forgot about that um but that that's so cool and but like
1: but it's like, um, it's the first song that I put out. But mm-hmm. it's like yeah. probably like my sixty or seventy songs, mm-hmm. you know. But like my other ones before, it had never saw the light.
0: Mm-hmm. Dang, I would, I would honestly like love to hear like some of the first iterations of songs that you produced, and just like hear them (laughs) just i feel like that would be really interesting to kind of like hear hear the growth but since then i mean yeah you've been able to like you went on tour with elefante anyone who's into the edm space knows how big of a deal that is like you've you've really been able to you've been producing more music you have more music coming out that i'm really excited about as well and and you also mentioned your your parents, how you were showing like your mom and dad your music um, and just keeping it with them. Like, how was your, what, what does your family think of like your music career? Like, were they, were they always supportive, initially not supportive?
1: Oh, not at all. So in the <laughs> beginning, they were like extremely against it. So okay. just to give you guys some context, um, I grew up in Thailand, right? So, you know, Asian family, you know, like everyone just like go to school, you know, like finish in university, get a job. And then I'm the only child, so that's even like Ugh. more pressure. Yeah. And then the fact that they sold their business in Thailand so that they can take that money and then send me to Canada. And then for me to uh, drop out of university, also the way that I dropped out of university is um I was like less than a year from getting my bachelor. <laughs> and then I was sitting in my um, stat uh, final exam. And then I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to hand in blank paper so that I failed all my courses. And then uh, so that there's no plan B. So I went all in. And then I, I remember walking to the teacher and just hand in the blank paper, walk home, just crying like the whole way that I was walking home. And then when I got home, I told my parents, I was like, Hey, um, remember what I told you about me wanting to do music and like really commit? I just failed all my courses, and then there's no nothing you can do about it now. Oh. And then my dad didn't talk to me for like oh my god, like a while, like weeks oh. and or almost a month, I think. But my mom was like a little easier. Okay. Um, she obviously she was like still like you know shocked yeah. by the whole thing, but then. Uh, my mom, like, later convinced my dad because I start playing guitar and, like, l- trying to produce even more when I'm home to show that, like, I really want this. Mm-hmm. And then my mom went to convince my dad and then she was like, hey, like, Gene really, really wants this. You know, like, let's let let us send him to, like, proper music school, like an audio school. So they took out another loan, $25,000 wow. to send me to this, like, one-year program. Also, we didn't have enough money, by the way, mm-hmm. to uh, send me to the school. So we had to, like, get a loan wow. you know like go into student debt so and then this uh music school that i went to um <clears throat> after like two months of me being in there that's when i was like i fucked up <laughs> i'm like <laughs> this is gonna take like 10 years mm-hmm. you know for me to even like have a, a good song out mm-hmm. and then um yeah so during that time i was really depressed i felt like a letdown you know i i I felt like my friends all think that I'm like what like what did you just do mm-hmm. you know like and there's no way for me to like give up now too because I just failed all my courses right uh-huh. and then um and then also like the the thoughts of having like this debt that my parents like took out a loan for me is just making it even worse yeah. but yeah but like over over 6 years like I didn't give up and then like later on um I ended up really really luckily uh, on my last semester I uh, met Ari, who's the co-founder of Monster Cat, mm-hmm. which is a record label in Vancouver. And then when he saw how passionate I was about music, I guess he like gave me a shot. He was like, "Hey, do you want to start by becoming like you can come be my my a- assistant?" And at that time, like I had like no work experience, you know, like. But that was basically like my first real full time job, mm-hmm. and um, I assisted him for like six years while I was working at Monster Cat. And I felt like I learned so much of the behind the scene. you know, what labels look for. Yeah. And Ari is, like, an extremely successful win smart guy. Like, he won, like, you know, he's on, like, Forbes under 30s. Wow. And okay. then basically, like, taking, getting to assist him, like, every day, like, my my learning progress just went, like, you know. Yeah. This is how shy I was. I remember his first job that he wanted me to do was to call Uline to order, like, some toilet paper. And I was, like, shaking on the phone because I'm like, oh, my God, like, I can barely speak English, you know. And then after the call, like, Ari was like, hey, you need to be way more assertive. You don't have to keep apologizing to the the person on the phone. You're just ordering a toilet paper. And then, like, so literally from there... To like, you know, like learning all the like the negotiation, mm-hmm. like how to like hold myself, how to network, you know, like, so are really, really play a huge part in my, um, like growth mm-hmm. in my career, but also like personally as well. Um, but yeah, so fast forward, it would be like, I would be working at monster cat for my full time job as an assistant, mm-hmm. uh, from like 10 to six. And then after that, I would be making music from, like, 7 p.m. to, like, 11 yes, p.m. that night.
0: hustling. And then
1: it's just, like, a rinse and repeat, you mm-hmm. know, for, like, six years. Wow. And then, um, and then, again, didn't put any song out. And then it was Million Days that, you know, the record label. Also, I didn't get, like... An easy way out for being for working at the label at all, mm, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, people were like, "Oh, did you get like signed because you work at the label?" If anything, I think it's way harder for me mm-hmm. because people saw me from day one. Yeah, and when people have a perception of you that this is who you are, they picture you as like one thing, right? They're like, "Oh, Gene, just a hobbyist. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just doing this as a hobby." But then when they saw how much I grind and worked. You know, and then back to what I was saying in the point earlier that I was like almost trying to prove them wrong that I can do mm-hmm. it. I was like, you know, feeling like I want their validation, yeah. and like all of this. And at that time, they didn't give it to me, right? But whereas now, now they all believe in me now, and then now they like really like respect and like what I've, how far I've come and everything. But now I no longer need yes. it from them. So it's yes. such a, it's such a. <laughs> It's so ironic, you know, like when you want it, they don't yeah. give it to you. And when you don't need it anymore, that's when like, everyone's like, oh, okay. We believe in him Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love that you touched on that because I think that's a, one thing that a lot of people don't realize and exactly why I'm like, you cannot pursue goals based off of validation because for the first while, like I, with my experience on social media, like, and I feel a lot of people who start on social media experience this, um, social media is, or you doing social media is not cool for a long time like for the first usually few years that you're doing it like when i started on youtube i was like ashamed of it i was kind of like hiding it but i was still putting it out there i wasn't talking to people about it because i was just like i'm gonna do this for me because i enjoy it and if anything i was like it's really embarrassing like i don't want people to bring this up it's really embarrassing that i'm putting myself out there like this like i don't like you know, you can't do it for the validation because for the first while you'll be the only one who's putting in the work, who's hustling like you, you know, uh, working your full-time job and then producing music, just hustling for a long time until you get to the point where you're able to see like, you know, success from it. And then at that point, when you do receive that validation, you know, you're so used to doing it for yourself and, you know, doing it because of your love and your passion for it, that you're like, Okay, I guess I I guess it's cool. It's cool that you know there's this there's the support system yeah. and everything, but like okay. I don't, I don't need that anymore, you know? So I'm glad you touched on that because I think that that goes for anyone who's trying to go against the grain, who's trying to really build a name for themselves or trying to really, you know, find, find success in whatever dream that they're pursuing for the first while, you got to just do it for you because you are not going to be getting validation. If anything, you'll be facing resistance and shame and or guilt like what you were talking about. But I think it's so cool that your parents, you know, even with, the, and this is coming from someone who also like dropped out of college as well. Like that is a very scary move. It's very, you know, and especially nowadays I feel like people are becoming more open-minded to it. But even just like five years ago, it was like, Oh, you can't drop out of college. Like that's throwing your life away, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's really cool that your parents were able to like turn around and continue to support like your goal and your dream of creating music. And it's so awesome to see it like paying off and and you flourishing right now
1: and actually uh to touch on that a little bit so my parents now um i kind of they're kind of like not really working as much anymore Mm -hmm. and now i kind of hired them to work
0: oh that's awesome
1: so it went from like my mom was like what are you doing don't drop out to now Mm -hmm. my mom she's like making like lyric video in Thai, like (laughs) translating my song in English to like Thai. And then she's like telling all her friends about it. So like, they definitely came around and the same with my dad.
0: That's so awesome. What a full circle moment. And it's such a cool support system that you have, you know, that even with everything, all their sacrifices that they made and all the changes and everything that they're still so supportive and get to be a part of that with you. Like that, that really warms my heart. That's awesome. I mean, Speaking of your parents and like you, being raised in Thailand, like you were telling me last time we were hanging out an incredible story about like how you were a monk for a time when you were in Thailand. And I was like, you need to tell me that you spent time as a monk and now you're an EDM DJ. Like that is such like a crazy <laughs> pipeline transition. Like tell, tell me about it because yeah. it, was, it was tell it's, everyone about it. It was a really interesting story yeah so i, I guess it was like a month
1: for like uh it wasn't like a long period of time but like you know like during that time um when you're a kid i guess like in thailand if you're like a monk we in buddhism in thailand we believe that that's a really, really good blessing mm-hmm. for yourself and also for your parents and then uh my close friend at the time was like hey do you want to go do this next summer and then like i was kind of like yeah sure you know like you just say yes to it because it's like not happening anytime soon and when that when a week before that thing like the that actually happening he was like hey it's time you gotta pack your bag and I'm like oh my god wait this is really happening (laughs) and then I remember like I just went with it right so I went with him we went to this temple it's like the middle of nowhere in Thailand it's like barely any electricity Um, and then they just start shaving my head (laughs) and they shave my, they shave my eyebrows as well. I look really weird. You look, human looks so weird without eyebrows. (laughs) I'm really glad that I have them right now. (laughs) But yeah, so like they shave my eyebrows. And then for first 15 days, um, I wasn't considered like a full, like full monk yet. Mm -hmm. I was just a shaved person without hair, (laughs) but also like, I was like, restricted to like you know things that i can do you know i have to like meditate Mm -hmm. pretty much a lot doing a lot of like um work in the in the temple and then learning all these um blessing that you can like give out to people Mm -hmm. because after that uh we had like a monk routine where every morning we walk out bare feet Mm -hmm. and then there's going to be people outside that are like made food breakfast and Mm -hmm. lunch for us where they give us food and then in return we like wish them well and oh, we give wow. this like, blessing oh, that's beautiful um so that was pretty much like uh the routine that i have every day mm-hmm. so in the morning we go do that we come back and then we like do more meditation and we eat as a group and then um at night you know like there's like more meditation more blessing uh mm-hmm. learning about like all these like different things and then i had to sleep in the outside too in like in a jungle mm-hmm. and that was really difficult so like All you have was like this little umbrella thing and then you would find a spot that you want and then you would like put the umbrella down and then you like like, pretty much like you're on this carpet and then you would have to find rocks and then put this net that is connected to your umbrella to protect the mosquito Mm -hmm. from getting in Mm -hmm. and from all the bugs that comes in. And basically you're camping, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like you're, 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 you're just outside. And then it's really scary because it's like at nighttime, it's just, you know, nothing. Yeah. But you just hear like animals and stuff. <sighs> but yeah, so I did that for a, for a month. And then uh, after that, you know, I came back to like my regular city mm-hmm. uh, life in Bangkok where like, but my mom was like, wow, you became like so sad and
0: like totally so different. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. yeah
1: but but yeah, so I guess I, I did have that experience, you know. Oh one of my job that I had one of my tasks that I had to do was uh I had to wash this pick. So pig? there's this pick that's yeah, like a pick. Oh. Um one of the monks found this pick. And then obviously, like, we can't, we don't kill animals, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're monks. So we keep raising this pig. And, like, they grow up to be, like, a size of almost, like, a cow. Like, they're so big. And, yeah, and then, like, he's just hanging in the in the temple. And then, like, we have to wash him here and there. And, then, like, one of my tasks was to hold him down um, and feed him. And it was great.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't. That's hilarious. But, yeah. What, like, what a different type of, lifestyle I think that's like that's so interesting because like and funny enough you're the second friend I have who has been a monk at one point in time in their life it's and I find it so fascinating because it is like you know the detachment, you know, no attachment to anything. You have to be completely, you know, focused on, you know, uh, your duties and and the most simple, you know, fundamental aspects of life. So I find it like really, really interesting. I, I mean, with your experience as, as a monk versus being an EDM DJ now, like I'm curious, like, and this is coming from someone like I personally, like I do subscribe to a lot of the beliefs within Buddhism. I personally consider myself more Taoist Taoism um, is and I think a lot of there there's a lot of overlap in the principles and I just find the you know concept of tranquility and meditation and all that really interesting like did you have you did you learn anything during that time that you've like applied to your lifestyle now because being an EDM DJ is yeah. pretty much a complete opposite of meditative zen <laughs> um, peaceful environment yeah.
1: like I think it is the I don't know if I agree with uh with what you said. Okay. I actually don't think that it's the exact opposite. Okay. But it's the uh act but it's the exact opposite in what you show to the world. Mm-hmm. So for example, like when I'm like an EDM artist, you know, on my social media, when I play show live, things that I want to show is, you know, the the, the partying, drinking part, mm-hmm. how much fun I, I'm having, you know, like touring, flying around, mm-hmm. like partying, all this. But when I'm back into my own bedroom, when I'm dealing with, like, stress from, like, man, like, like I'm make, not making enough money, like, you know, like, these artists are trying to take advantage of me, labels are, like, mm-hmm. giving, like... Sh- like, there's so much stress that are going on in your life and i think that's when like your true self like comes in on how you deal with this mm-hmm. and i i do believe that like meditation and then things that i learned when i was young when i was a monk played a huge part to why i am where i am today it's because you know like when you're burn out mm-hmm. like you know like when you're hap- everyone burn out everyone goes through like the time where like oh my god it's too overwhelmed right now mm-hmm. and you need to like learn to like take a break and be like okay like it doesn't matter how important your this project you think Mm -hmm. is you know your health and your mental health is the most important thing Mm -hmm. and whenever that happened i always like take a break now and I just remove myself and whenever i do that i i think back about like you know it's like being a monk Mm -hmm. and being like zen so Mm Yeah. So I guess that's that really cool. My answer no, to I, that. I
0: think that's a really beautiful answer because it is all about like mindset. Like it's not about the external factors or the external things at play necessarily. It's more so about the mindset that you have and what you've really adopted and what you focus on regardless of what your day to lo- day life looks like. So yeah, I, I actually, completely agree with what you're saying. I find that like really interesting. Such a cool, like contrast story, definitely like a juxtaposition, I feel like, but it's cool that you've been able to adopt those mindsets into what you're doing now. And kind of along the lines with, you know, mental health and talking about like taking a break and focusing on yourself, like you've touched on, you were touching on before, um, your struggle with, chronic pain and I actually am not I don't think we've ever like personally like talked about this I'm really interested in like hearing what your own experience has been with chronic pain you talked about you know illness and how majorly it affected your life like what what was your experience
1: yeah so this is the worst time that um that worst thing that I've ever gone through Mm. I think it started four years ago. Okay. And it lasted for two and a half years where I have wow. this thing called chronic prostatitis. Basically, like my prostate was inflamed. And oh. then um, I had pain 24 seven. So literally when I wake up, I have this like pain that like, it's like four out of 10 pain. Uh. Where It's where it's like burning pain where it couldn't go away and it only gets worse throughout the day. And then it lasts 24 seven. I couldn't run away from it. And it, and and I was like, I cried myself to sleep for six months, I think, like oh every day. Oh my gosh. And then I went to see more than 15 different doctors, five different oh. urologists, two different specialists, two like, like naturopaths. Like I was like trying every way, you know, like, and then the doctors, every single doctors did a test and then it came back. Every test was like, hey, you're completely normal. Really? Um, here, try to take this antibiotic. And then, you know, like, it didn't work. So, but what's weird is that my first time taking the antibiotic, it went away. Oh, really? And then it came back again. So I kept chasing, like, antibiotics. So in Canada, you know, I went to see, like, different walk-in clinics, mm-hmm. keep self-medicating because I, I had this pain that, like, all the doctors, like, it's in your head. It's in your head. And I'm like, no, it's not in my head. Oh, my god! And then... um. I went to different doctors. I like took like I don't know how I'm alive now because I took pretty much every antibiotic that you can think of but self-medicating. You yeah, know, like yeah. I would because doc, the, the the same doctor wouldn't give it to me because this would be like really bad. So I go to like a different doctors where they didn't have my history of medication mm-hmm. from that original doctor and I would just try to ask for a stronger things and I would just take like you know completely off dose where I'm, and then like nothing was helping. Mm-hmm. You know, I had I went to see like a naturopath later on, where like she was like, "Oh, like you know, let's." So naturopath is basically a, an altern- alternative medicine, mm-hmm. <clears throat> where if your regular way doesn't work, they will try to like find ways to fix you. That might work in Asia or like you know Europe or mm-hmm. things like that. So this lady was like, "Let's," she was like something down there might be like messing up where like it needs to be reset Mm -hmm. so she put like she said that she'll try to do this freezing you know the freezing that you put in your teeth Mm -hmm. so she said that the same way you know this freezing might be able to like jump start my whole prop like down there Mm -hmm. so she poked like this needle that's like literally this big from like my belly button all the way to my testicle
0: and oh my gosh (sighs) <sighs> that sounds horrifying it
1: hurts so bad oh. like it was like a one of the worst pain i've ever had gone through oh my gosh. and then after like she like that's when i realized how much like circulation and mm-hmm. vessel everything are in there because it was so like achy mm-hmm. and then like after that she took out the, the 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 thing after she did it i was like oh my god i just had like the biggest breath i was like I was like, are we done? And she was like, no, you have two balls. <laughs> we have to do it again.
0: Oh my gosh. And
1: I was like, oh my God. And then so I did that, but I went through all of that because I'm like, I want to do everything to figure out what's wrong with me, mm-hmm. you know? But again, didn't work. She was, that didn't help. So that was like, <laughs> nothing. I went to a urologist. They did another thing. This is going to be really personal, but I'll share mm-hmm. anyways because this is the worst thing that I've ever gone mm-hmm. through. Uh, where like they put uh, a urologist put camera through like my pee hole
0: Oh yes, I've heard of that.
1: To like take a look at like if there's anything Ouch. wrong with it. Mm. I don't think I have ever experienced any pain that's worse mm. than that. It's like a 10 out of 10 pain. Mm. And then as I was waiting for this, there's I heard a scream coming out from the, the room. Uh, and then later the guy walked out and he the, the guy was like walking like this and then he was like yelling He was like oh my god that was like the worst pain and then for the first time doing that that like that moment like my whole body was like shaking Mm -hmm. like Mm uncontrollably and then i'm like i don't want to go in there i don't want to do this anymore but because i need to get rid of rid of this chronic pain i want to figure out what's wrong with me i went in there anyways and then like oh, my God. You, I had, like, two nurses holding me down. And then, like, Ugh. and then like the doctor so was, painful. like, you know, it's really graphic. Mm-hmm. But I, just, I guess I, what I wanted to show you was that how much I was willing to go mm-hmm. to, like, try to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then, like, again, the test came back normal. And I'm, like, we just oh did that gosh. for absolutely nothing. And like, then what, what was uh, I started like, saving feel
0: it. Like, because you don't experience that anymore, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll oh, get yeah, to yeah.
1: that. But... um. Yeah, and then like after that, um, another thing is they um, I start saving money to go get my prostate removed in Thailand because they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't do this procedure in Canada Mm -hmm. because all my tests came back as normal. Mm -hmm. So they're like, don't do that, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, we can't do this for you. So after this, during while the time that I have this chronic pain, a week before my song Million Days came out, my dad had a stroke. Mm -hmm. So it was like, wow, I have this chronic pain. My dad had a stroke and then he got bleeding in his brain. Oh. So like, you know, I took him to the hospital and then I was like, my dad's the type where like he hates going to the hospital. He would like endure all the pain. So when he asked me to go to the hospital with him, I knew that something was really wrong. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they uh, the, they put him in this room where like they're wait- he was like waiting to get surgery. And then the nurses would come in and then ask him like question like, what is your name? Do you know where you are? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, uh, what date is it? And then my dad wouldn't be able to answer any of really? them. Like, he would start, like, gibberish. So, Almost like, expect. when they asked him what his name is, rather than him saying Charles, he would say, he would try to pronounce it. He would be, like, ch or da 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 And he would just start doing, like, gibberish. Oh. And then, like, when they asked him, like, what what his, uh, what the date is, this was when it, like, really, really broke me at that time. But I'm okay now. But Million Days came out on February 11, 2020. Uh, we found out that the song got signed back in December of 2019. Mm-hmm. So my dad was really happy for me. So when he would, when the nurse asked him, "Do you know, what date it is, he would answer September 11, November 11, October 11. So, you know, so got like the wrong date mm-hmm. of the Million Days release. Mm-hmm. But he, like the date is right, mm-hmm. but the month is wrong. So like seeing my dad, that he was like basically like a vegetable at that time, but still only like still remember something about the success of my song. Mm-hmm. It like it was so hard to see your dad. You know, my dad's really smart. Mm-hmm. He like invests and in, like all of that to see him in that position. It was really difficult at the time. Um, but later on, um, after the surgery, after they did, they drained the blood out from his brain. It, would like, it was like night and day. Mm-hmm. He like became happy again. He started talking and he became completely normal. So I felt like that was such a blessing because after that, our family became so close together mm-hmm. because we no longer have anything that we don't say to each other. Like we say everything to each other because we don't know if this is going to be mm-hmm. it, you know? Yeah. So to have that, I'm like very, very happy and blessed. But leading about this back to my chronic pain. So... After I saw that my dad made it out from the hospital and became normal again, it gave me a a, a really big push uh, that I'm like, okay, maybe I should go and then try to not give up about, you know, like my prostate mm-hmm. and then try to go fix it again. So I went to see uh, my second naturopath who I've been already working with for, like, almost, like, seven, eight months. Okay. But I was, like, hey, like, this is... I think this is what happened, you know, like, please, like, believe that me, that these are, like, all the symptoms that I have. I think this is what happened. I think my, it might be because, like, when I was taking too much antibiotic, mm-hmm. where I was, like, self-medicating, it might be, like, you know, killing all the good bacterias that are down there. And he was, like, hey, like, it's very unlikely. I don't think that's the case. And I'm, like, can you just please just trust me mm-hmm. on this? And then he was, like, okay, sure. And then uh, he... Told me to go buy this like anti, uh sorry, not anti, uh probiotic, mm-hmm. um, that's supposed to have like good bacteria for male and female down down there. It's like a, a specific type of bacteria,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I shit you not, it was a nineteen ninety nine over the counter. I took it for like three or four days, and it's gone, and it never came back
0: ever since. What? That's crazy. So,
1: and that kind of showed me that like you know like everything that we've. When you we go to the doctor, like they might be like running tests on you, mm-hmm. but they're just following the guideline of what they mm-hmm. learn from like their 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 book, right? But if it like just because they told you that they, you're normal, you know yourself yeah. the best. I guess is what I'm trying to say. You you know your body the best when you know that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know you know that this is not in your head, and and yeah, like after that, you know my life start to changed from like being at like the depression mm-hmm. and like the lowest of the lowest that it could be to like my health got better and then like after that like my music started to blow mm-hmm. up like you know like a million days my career start to like really really um thrive after that you, know, you would gain like an appreciation
0: i, 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 never... I feel like for <clears throat> everything like i've i've been able to see like on tiktok and i i have people in my personal life who experience chronic pain and it really from what i've from what they've told me they're like it really aligns you with like what is most important in life and gives you a perspective of just like how appreciative we should be of our health of being able to you know wake up in the morning without pain wake up you know being able to walk around go places you know without constantly being in like this horrific state of health a wild story i mean first of all i'm so glad that you've been able to like recover and that it has become so much better i think what you were saying is really important like especially the part about like you know your body best not
1: giving up is probably my advice it's like everything that you do just don't give up just keep trying different way because you know like there's no one else who's gonna fight this harder than yourself Mm -hmm. um and you just have to keep Trying until you figure out what it what it is that is causing that problem. Mm -hmm. Um Yeah. yeah
0: but no, that's such good tough. advice. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Cause that's really impactful. And it, the lesson I take away from that is anyone in my life who's struggling with physical illnesses, chronic pain, or even if it's, you know, mental health struggles, you know, the internal pain, um, whatever, you know, that experience is to not give up on the people in your life that are also experiencing that as well. Not say that it's in your head, all those things that you mentioned, and just to not give up on them. I think that's really, really valuable advice. And like, thank you for sharing your own personal experience, because I know that it takes a lot of vulnerability to to, like talk about something so serious and dark as that, but I think for anyone who has struggled with someone similarly, or even me, who takes a lot of inspiration from that story as someone who struggled with mental health, you know, issues my whole life, um, I think I think what you said is really important, and I, I just want to say like congratulations on all the success that you've been seeing recently. Like it's so cool to be, see you as a friend and be like so freaking proud of all that's happened over just the course of the last few years and the hard work that you've put into it for so long. I'm so glad you were able to come on the podcast and everyone who's watching, we are actually going to be doing a really special giveaway on both of our Instagrams. (laughs) Savai, do you want to talk about it a little bit?
1: We want to do YSL back giveaway.
0: And we're doing this because you're coming out with a brand new song.
1: It's called Mirror. It's my favorite song that I've ever made. And I really want you guys to see it. And that's why we were doing this giveaway to begin with. That we're really, really excited about.
0: I'm super excited. Make sure you guys go join and make sure you go listen to his song. Like seriously, and listen to all his other music as well because it's incredible and literally like you were in my top played artists of last year. Like seriously guys, his music is so good. So make sure you go stream Mirror and all of his other songs. Make sure you go follow both of us on Instagram so you can get a chance to win that YSL bag and the Selfless by Hiram collection. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the Just Position YouTube channel and make sure you go follow us on Spotify. There are new episodes out Every single Thursday. Thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you, Jean, again for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. It's been so awesome hearing your story. And this has been a presentation of Cadence 13th, an Odyssey. And this has been, oh my gosh, I mess this up every time. Okay. And this has been a presentation of Cadence 13th, an Odyssey studio. New episodes every Thursday, wherever you stream your podcasts. Bye, guys.